last couple of weeks, we've been talking about uh, one another and, and how we treat one another. And this morning, it is encourage one another. And um, I was getting, finding a lot of encouragement from Ainsley this morning. I had a direct shot of her. Um, she was involving her whole being in, in worship this morning, and it was just really uh, encouraging to see. So thank you for letting her do that. A couple weeks ago, we talked about bearing one another's burdens, being with one another through hard times, and and helping to to lighten folks' loads and and walking with them. Uh, Last week, we talked about bearing with one another when we don't all get along, when we have disagreements, um, when we're trying to figure out what it means for us to follow Jesus today, and and we have um, some some different opinions, maybe. How do we... um, find our identity first and foremost in, in uh, followers of Jesus, in sons and daughters of the King, and, um, you know, kind of see disagreements for, for what they are, and, and inner family conversation that happens. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about meeting with one another and what that means for, for our life. Um, especially kind of being able to be on this side of a, a pandemic and closures and, and looking back and, and seeing how this maybe uh, impacted our life uh, as a church um, and, and look at how we can continue to meet with one another. And then uh, I said last week we have an opportunity to practice with one another, um, put all of these into actions on October 2nd, Uh, We'll be having our love feast and communion during our worship service uh, on Sunday morning. If you're new to Spring Creek, uh, we have our love feast and communion that morning. We'd love to have you join us. Uh, Just come. We'll gather around tables and uh, we'll uh, just have an opportunity, like I said, to to practice bearing one another's burdens, uh, bearing with one another, meeting with one another, all of those good things. Uh, including encouraging one another. So we're going to be taking a look at this uh, scripture passage from, th- there were no names, but First Thessalonians is, is, a, is a mouthful. Uh, so we're going to be looking at this passage and a few others where we are instructed to encourage one another. And so as we look at these passages this morning, as we look at this uh, together, would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. I pray that you would speak to us this morning through me, despite me, um, and we just trust that you are moving in our midst. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to ask for some response here this morning, and Ben, I'm going to use this microphone here. Uh, for some examples, when have you felt most encouraged? Think of a time that you felt really encouraged. Getting a special card of encouragement. All right. Getting a special card of encouragement. Other ways maybe that you've felt encouraged. 
Um, people just gathering after the death of our son. Mm. Getting my steps in this morning. It's good. Through a bump in the road of health, health illness that was a little trying and just the love and support of family, friends, church family. Uh, just along the lines of Dawn, people remembering uh, what I'm going through and checking in, um, texts, memes, um, asking, especially from my friend Jim up there. The many encouragement times through my family, through many friends, I got an un unbelievable number of cards from people encouraging me after the loss of my husband. Thank you, everybody. I'll just say, if you're watching at home or, or you're watching this later, feel free to text me and let me know how you're feeling encouraged. I want to include, include you in that as well. Uh, people checking in, like getting used to a new school. It's nice getting like the, the follow-up saying, oh, how's it going? It's good to see you this morning. Want to miss anyone? Let me ask uh, one other question for, for some feedback. What does encouragement mean to you? Not bearing burdens alone. You can just shout them out. Huh? That works. Throw the microphone up there. Uplifting, life-giving words. I, I, I like that, so let me make sure I repeat that correctly. Uplifting, life-giving words. Hope that things will be better tomorrow. Yeah. Somebody cares about you. Somebody cares about you. I feel blessed. Feel blessed. Of course you need to just keep going. Keep pushing. All right. The push that you need to keep going. Lifting up my Aunt June and Aunt Mary, who have been through a lot just recently. So we'll continue to encourage 
Mary and June. And they got better because of encouragement. There you go. We're going to be looking a little bit this morning at this word encouragement. Um, when I started planning out this sermon series, I, I was trying to find the verse about encouragement um, that, that talked about encouraging one another. And I have to say there's, there's several um, passages that talk about encouragement. Actually, what I came across is the vast array of ways that Paul was encouraging the early church and encouraging them to encourage one another. We'll look at a few of these verses, but encouragement is scattered really all over the New Testament where um, they are encouraging one another. And, And not just, wow, Timothy, you did a great job with this or that project, but it's really a broader idea which you all have started to uh, talk about, uh, this broader idea of encouragement. In the New Testament, the Greek word for encourage is parakaleo. All right, say parakaleo. All right, again, I'm not a Greek scholar, so, you know, we're, we're learning this together here. This word means to call to one side, to call for or to summon. It can mean to address or speak to. Uh, which may be done in the way of exhortation, entreaty, comfort, or instruction. It can mean in Scripture to admonish or to exhort, to beg, entreat. Uh, It can mean to console, to encourage and strengthen, uh, to comfort. Um, Some of the other ways that it's used is to strengthen, uh, again, comforting, encouraging, to instruct or to teach. It's kind of this broad way of understanding this biblical word for encourage, console, comfort, encouragement, as we think of kind of uh, a number of you positive uplifting one another. It can mean to instruct or to teach, and sometimes it's translated as admonish, which I... In our English usage, I would kind of put that maybe in a a little bit separate thing. I don't always think of encouragement and admonish as uh, the same thing. It can be translated as warn, instruct, teach, urge, encourage, or comfort. Uh, It's used most in the book of Acts where the church is encouraging one another and they're sending missionaries around to encourage one another, to remind one another, to teach one another, to instruct one another. Paul uses the word extensively in 2 Corinthians. Now, there's a difference here between two words that sound similar. There's a difference, I think, between exhort one another and extort one another. All of these carry some kind of, these words of encouragement carry some kind of positive connotation. Even admonish or warn is about encouraging someone to walk back in the way of Jesus. But when we extort one another, it's about continuing to hold something over someone. Rather than an invitation to journey with Jesus, rather than life-giving words, 
It's about holding power over someone. This is not what we are called to. Continuing to hold something over someone. So there's a number of places in Scripture where this word parakaleo or encouragement pops up. Like I said, it comes up a lot in 2 Corinthians where Paul encourages the Corinthians to welcome back into fellowship someone who had been uh, living in a way that was not life-giving to him or to those around him and had really, because of his own actions, set himself outside of the Christian fellowship. Paul is uh, instructing them, encouraging them to welcome this uh, brother back into their fellowship. Paul uses the word over and over for urging the Corinthians towards holy living. He's encouraging them, urging them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, uh, the New Revised Standard Version says, Listen to my appeal. Uh, the, the NIV says, Encourage one another towards peace and unity. And so Paul is using this word pretty extensively in 2 Corinthians. Another instance is in Hebrews 3, chapter 13. Uh, we hear this. Take care, brothers and sisters, that none of you may, ha- that none of you, uh, may have an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But parakaleo, exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partners of Christ if only we hold first to confidence, firm to the end. So this is about encouraging one another to continue living in the way of Jesus. Daily encouragement of one another. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, uh, 1 Thessalonians is not written to address a specific concern, but it's written by Paul as a letter of encouragement to the folks that were living in Thessalonica. And so here Paul is addressing holy living and loving one another, encouraging one another. The earliest church then expected uh, the return of Christ in the very near future. They, they, when Jesus had uh, ascended back to the throne into heaven, they were expecting that his return was imminent, that it was happening any day. And so as a number of Christians started to age, as people do, and then they started to have to deal with the death of loved ones that were a part of their community of faith, Paul needed to write to encourage them because they had expected Jesus to return very, very, very soon, within their lifetime. And when that wasn't happening, they had to encourage one another to remind one another of the good news of the gospel. It's interesting that a number of our um, hymns and the hymn sing and, and, and our praise song this morning are about reminding one another of the story of Jesus and about the return of Jesus. Right? This is meant to be encouragement, to give us hope in the midst of, uh, of this world, in the midst of the trials and tribulations that we face. This is about hope and encouragement, that this is not the end that there is still more to the story. And so Paul uh, is reminding them in verse 18 that they should encourage one another with reminders of the resurrection and what it means for their own lives and for their own future resurrection. 
1 Thessalonians then chapter 5 verse 11, Paul goes into chapter 5 to talk about when Christ will return, that it will happen without you knowing exactly when it will occur. Lots of folks have tried to pinpoint a date, put it on a calendar. I'm not, never sure why because Scripture kind of says over and over and over again, nobody knows the time or the date. Jesus says, I don't know the time or the date. That's for the Father to know. But sometimes we, there's been numerous authors and pastors and uh, you know, folks that think themselves a prophet that have tried to pinpoint the time and the date. Paul's reminding them that they won't know exactly when Christ's return is. So they need to continually be aware and to be awake to what God is doing around them. He says in the midst of some really hard times, Paul calls the church to encourage one another and build each other up as indeed you are doing. He says you're doing it. You're surrounding one another. You're walking with each other through some really hard times and you need to continue to do that. You need to continue to live life with one another. And when days are hard and things seem to be falling apart, whether that's personally, socially, nationally, globally, encourage one another with reminders of the resurrection and that God is reigning. So why was encouragement such a big part of Paul's message? Why does he use this word over and over and over again? Why does he have to remind churches in different places to encourage one another? Well, the world of the early church was crowded with different philosophies and religions. There was Judaism and traditional Greek and Roman pantheon of gods. There were other local deities Uh, There was this ingrowing imperial cult where they worshipped the emperor, they worshipped Caesar, and people were expected to pay tribute uh, to Caesar and start to recognize Caesar as God. So this growing Jesus movement was trying to figure out what does it look like for us to, to keep our faith and our life following Jesus in the midst of this pre Christian, very pagan culture. They faced hardships from life in general, but they also faced persecution for their beliefs and their practices. And so they needed to encourage and remind one another that Jesus is Lord. This was an important three words that that we often just take for granted. We say Jesus is Lord and we don't really think much of it. But the early church, when they said Jesus is Lord, they were also declaring all of these other gods, all of these other um, things that vie for our attention, Caesar himself is not God, Jesus is Lord. It was a powerful statement, it was a powerful reminder, and it was meant to be powerful encouragement to one another. Jesus is Lord. Caesar is not. They had to remind one another, the resurrection is real. Some of us actually saw it, is what the early church would remind one another. That the reign of God has been inaugurated, that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Our world is no less complicated. 
The early church had to figure out faith and life in a pre-Christian society, and we're trying to figure out faith and life in an increasingly post-Christian society. Now, that's not to say that our struggles as the church in America are the same as those of the early church. They're not the same as uh, the struggles that the underground church in China or or sisters and brothers in the EYN uh, are facing or elsewhere. But when you're trying to live out a new reality, the kingdom of God, in the midst of the old, that can be tough, can be challenging. There's a lot to figure out and navigate. It's interesting trying to raise kids in in a very different kind of society. Uh, It was interesting. We were filling out forms uh, the other week, the beginning of of school, and uh, we were asked, what holidays do we not celebrate? Which is a, I'll say, is a very weird way of wording that question in today's society because I was like, I don't even know what holidays I don't celebrate because I, I don't know all the holidays of this faith and this faith and this faith. You know, I, I wasn't sure, are they assuming, uh, you know, national holidays? Are they assuming, I wanted to use the word Judeo-Christian holidays, but Jews and Christians don't celebrate the same holidays either. So we, we, we're trying to navigate this, this world where there's just very different ideas uh, of faith and spirituality and, and religion. And so we have to meet with one another to encourage one another, to remind one another, this is our story. This is the story that we are claiming as true, that Jesus came and lived, that he was the embodiment of God. He showed us what it was like to to be in full relationship with God and with one another, that he died in the place of sinners, that he was raised to new life to conquer sin and death and the grave, that he ascended and that he has promised to return. So the things that we're facing, the, the, the things that are falling apart around us, the, the good days and the bad days, we need to be reminded, to be encouraged that Jesus is Lord. Add into that the stuff that we each deal with in life. You know, family dynamics, physical and mental health issues, crises of faith, You name it. We need to encourage one another. We need to be people that are known to to meet, to gather, to hold one another up, to encourage one another, to keep going. One of the most powerful examples of encouragement that I've experienced in in 2016 uh, is when Katie and I were part of a a group that went to Nigeria to visit with uh, sisters and brothers of the EYN, the Church of the Brethren in Nigeria. And this was following uh, the kidnapping in Chibok. Uh, It was following the destruction of a number of churches and, and a type of invasion of the northern states in Nigeria by Boko Haram. And we were, um, we were with people who had fled um, 
into the, into the bush, into the, the wilderness on a Sunday morning. It's when this group had come into town and had uh, attacked. And the, uh, a lot of folks were meeting with the church that morning and they, they had fled for their lives. And uh, when we were there, and you know, to this day, many of them remain displaced people in, in different places around Nigeria. But when we got together, we had walked through the remains of several church buildings that had been destroyed and burned. Other places had, had pot marks left by bullets. Uh, we passed, now in Nigeria, you know, there's, um, there's potholes all over the place. So you're never entirely sure what, you know, is just wash out. And, but they would tell you, this, this one is from an artillery shell. This one is, is where the, the state was trying to fight back against Boko Haram. Uh, you know, these marks are from that day. These marks are from uh, this other day. These had been terrorized people trying to deal with the devastation that had occurred physically and emotionally and spiritually. And so when we joined one church on Sunday under this temporary pavilion, um, still bearing the scorch marks. They had just reused the tin from the old roof, and they're gathering by the hundreds to worship. The sermon was in, in Hausa, and so we got the translation, but we heard the passion of the minister, and even the translation brought tears to our eyes as the pastor reminded and encouraged these hundreds of people of their faith and their practice, of what it means to follow Jesus in the midst of all of this stuff. Continuing to encourage the congregation to love their enemies and pray for those that persecuted them. Encouraging the congregation to rebuild their lives and their homes, even while many were still displaced. Powerful words of encouragement to remind them that this is not the end of our story. That the struggles, that the stuff that we're going through right now, this is not the end. That Jesus is still Lord. That the resurrection still happened. And that Jesus is returning. When we go through our struggles and when we try and figure out what does it mean for us to be faithful people in the midst of whatever's happening in our society, good, bad, or otherwise. We need to meet with one another, to encourage one another, to keep going. Being encouraging of others as we typically think of it, positively uh, lifting up others, is a good practice for any human being. Yesterday we were at uh, Garrett's soccer game and you could hear lots of positive encouragement. It was, it was a good place to be. Uh, lots of parents and coaches properly. I know sometimes kids' sports, you know, are starting to get a bad rap that it's not always encouraging. But I'll say yesterday the atmosphere was, was pretty encouraging of kids. Just in, enjoying out, learning to play a game. It was an encouraging thing. How much more should encouragement be in the family of faith? 
reminding one another of the good news that Jesus is Lord. Reminding one another of God's forgiveness, of God's love and grace. Sometimes encouraging one another in the way of holiness and living in ways that are consistent with Jesus. Encouraging one another in the midst of trials, whether illness, dealing with addiction, hard life circumstances. As we live with one another, as we interact with one another, as we are cooperating in our life and mission together, we should be encouraging one another. Sometimes that means that we cheer one another up with, you've got this, you've got this. And sometimes it needs to be, we've got this. Bearing one another's burdens, sometimes it's, we've got this. And sometimes it's, we ain't got this, but God's got this, and Jesus is still Lord, and we'll get through it together. All right? Sometimes we need to, you know, be real that in our own strength, we don't have this, but Jesus is still Lord. He is still King. We need to be people that meet and encourage one another in the middle of all kinds of different circumstances that happen around us, that happen to us. Encourage one another, as indeed you have been doing. Amen. I'm going to ask you to turn in your blue hymnal to number 362 or look at the screen. Help us to help each other. We've been singing it, all right? I encourage that as you become more familiar, um, let these words sink into who you are. I've started, I've found myself several times in the last couple weeks starting to whistle this tune uh, as a reminder to uh, encourage one another, help one another, to be with one another, uh, to grow, share, uh, serve all of those words together as we follow Jesus. Would you stand as we sing?